Well, I'm here with Dr. Tom Lutz on the Convene podcast from Atlanta and California. We're kind of coast to coast. Tom, thanks for joining us on the broadcast. I'm very excited to be here, Greg. Tom has decades of entrepreneurial experience. He's built and sold businesses. He's a Convene chair in Atlanta where he coaches marketplace leaders. He's in the game, getting his hands dirty. He's uh, in his spare time, haha, got his D-min or doctorate of ministry from Covenant Theological Seminary. He's been a PCA pastor in the inner city of Baltimore, where he knows what real life is all about. He was there for seven years. And I love, Tom, the, the title of your doctoral dissertation, Discipling Christian C-Level Business Executives. Thanks for joining us today. We're so excited to talk about this. Yeah, so it's obviously a passion of mine. So um, glad, glad to talk about it all you want. And you wrote a book in your spare, spare time, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work. So let's start with this. One day you heard a voice. We all hear voices and we wonder sometimes, is that me? Is that God? Is that Satan? But you heard a voice and it went like this. Until every Sunday from every pulpit, every sermon is illustrated from and applied to the marketplace, the work will not be done. And today the work is still not done. Yeah, you right. and your co-author Heidi have made a giant leap forward in helping all of us to turn the Sunday stuff into Monday stuff, as we sometimes uh, say. Right. Yeah. But this, in this book, you take rock-solid theology and you mix it with practical ideas. There's so many books out there that are a little dry because they're talking about faith at work and we all get lost in the exegesis of a particular passage, but you made it real by saying we're all image bearers, we're all disciple ma uh, makers. What does that mean? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I guess a theme a theme of the book, a theme of the way I, I lead my convene groups, the way I lead my men's discipleship groups, sermons I preach. Uh, it was interesting. So you mentioned I was a pastor. So I was a pastor for seven years while we were starting what turned out to be a very large business. And so almost all of my early uh, learning to teach the Bible, whether it was sermonic or whether it was Bible study or whether it was discipleship, it was all done at my place of work. So I naturally applied uh, or illustrated from what was happening around my work world. So I, you know, and those were the illustrations. So I, I began to... Uh, you know, I tell people I speak pastor and I speak business guy. And so I, I kind of can bridge those two worlds. Anyway, so what dawned on me after a while, especially when I got my master's in divinity, was ordained a pastor. Uh, and a basic theme of the book is those of us who are called to disciple, whether it's um, mentoring relationship, coaching relationship, convene chair relationship, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, whatever it might be we were subliminally taught that we are discipling them to be church members, right? Uh, and so we talk all about the stuff that happens nights and weekends, and we don't really ever talk to them about what they're called to do. Uh, and so the big theme in the book is let's learn to read the Bible in an image bearer rather than a church member context. So quickly, the concept, and it's in the book, so it's, I mean, I could go on for hours about this, but it's basically this. When you were created, 
when the image bearers were created, they were put in the garden and given three instructions. Instruction number one was make, make a, create abundance, fill it up, uh, have children, of course, but also, uh, you know, produce food, produce all the things that you see in the world today. Number two, we were told it has infinite potential. So cultivate that potential. Uh, and then number three, uh, it was dangerous and incomplete. And so we were called to subdue it all for the flourishing of humans. The, the so when I talk to people, I talk to them about what God wants done. God wants the world to flourish. Uh, he doesn't just want the gospel to be preached. That's great. Um, you and I uh, both love a quote that um, <clears throat> I've, I've said to you, and we really do need to do this. We're gonna, I'm going to say it right on the air. We really need to do this. We need to get you into the convened studio or somewhere and film you drawing this on the whiteboard. But let me, uh, let me do this quote and <coughs> speak to it on the other side. This is by somebody we both love, Lester DeCoster, in his book. Right. He's quoted by Pastor Tim Keller in Tim's book. But here's the quote. We know that work spins the wheels of the world. Right. No work, nothing else. Culture and civilization don't just happen. They're made to, sorry, they're, they're made to happen and keep happening. Imagine that everybody quits working. What happens? Civilized life melts away, food vanishes from the store shelf, gas pumps dry up, streets are no longer patrolled, fires burn themselves out, communication and transportation ends, utilities go dead. This is my favorite line. Those who survive at all are soon huddled around campfires, sleeping in tents and clothed in rags. Is that really, does that embody some of this? That's well, if you think about it, that's exactly right. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of speaking. And so one of the questions like I often do, I'm doing a convene group next month and uh, next week in Boise, Idaho. And one of the qu first questions I ask people is what would happen if nobody did what your company does? Very profound question. And, you know, I've had answers. For example, I was at a convene group one time and one of the members uh, had a trash collection company. And, and he got this look on his face and a big smile. And he said, you know, we'd all be dead. Doesn't matter if, you know, Billy Graham is preaching the gospel. If there's no, if, if the health of the nation is not taken care of. I had another case where a, a manufacturer of um, what they call fasteners. So hinges and plates and screws and bolts and all that stuff. And, and he got laughing thinking, well, you know, that last phrase, read that last phrase again, we'd all be sitting around campfires living in tents because you couldn't build anything. Uh, and so I think that's, so if the image bearers don't do what we call the cultural mandate, create abundance, uh, extract potential, uh, and then, um, uh, you know, subdue uh, the world for the flourishing of God's people, what Lester DeCoster says is exactly what will happen. Why is it, do you think, that people don't understand this? Why do they um, feel so disconnected between Monday and Sunday? I was talking to an executive just in the last few weeks where we sort of 
talked about this and they said gosh i've never heard that before and so crazy um, is it why why is it that gosh we get that we're supposed to be discipled meaning learn the tenets of the gospel learn how to be a good christian uh, we go to church on sunday we hear sermons about how to be a better christian and then we come to monday and we say oh you know all i do is make pizza all i do is take x-rays of people's knee all, all i do is make chairs why the disconnect why the disconnect well I, again i think it goes back to the um the voice hearing uh was basically from this is that we i had i was at a conference on theology of work which i had spoken at and i had attended for 15 20 years and i looked around the room and i realized it's all the same characters and we're all sort of patting ourselves on the back about how clever we were to understand this theology of work this esoteric biblical concept um and that's what i heard i heard the voice uh, and I think it was God speaking to me. And I think what he said was until every Sunday from every pulpit, this message is preached. The work's not done. So people can go to a conference. They can go to, to a made to flourish conference, or they can hear Tim Keller speak. Um, and then they go back to their discipling role, but no one talks to them about how to talk to people about what it means to be an image bearer. Uh, with the net result that uh, the illustration, so, you know, pastors are not bad people. They're not trying to, to create this problem. But if you think about it, they're trying to be relevant to you when they preach. And so their illustrations and applications are where your life connects with theirs. And where is that? At your hobbies. So there'd be illustrations about golf, there'd be illustrations about running, whatever it might be, motorcycle riding. There'll be illustrations about family because the pastors have family uh, and there'll be illustrations about what happens at church. But what's missing is ever talking about someone's work in the context of a theological teaching. Uh, I teach a course at the seminary where one of the assignments is go, go look at the way Jesus taught. And you take one of the gospels and every time Jesus mentions someone's job or someone's workplace, highlight it. Uh, and it's everywhere, right? Jesus constantly talked about people's jobs uh, to the result that that uh, after the Sermon on the Mount, the people said, this one speaks with authority, not like our scribes and Pharisees. And so I think that's the problem is, is we've just never heard work spoken of uh, in the con either illustrated from or applied to the workplace when we do our theology. Mm. Well, let's um, be hypothetically practical here for a minute, and let's pretend that um, you're speaking to somebody who owns a um, a furniture manufacturing company. Okay. They say to you, they hire you, and you fly to their city, and they say, Tom, you know, I, I read your book, um, but hey, I, I appreciate everything you said in there, but I just... I can't connect the fact that the furniture that I make has any impact on the kingdom, but I, I did feel really great when I got back from the trip I just did to Africa, where we dug, uh, we dug a water well and 
just the, the joy on those people's faces that they had right. water. And now I come back and I just make furniture, you know, we're $50 million uh, of revenue, but I feel empty when I make furniture. Yeah, I, you know, and that's not at all uncommon. Um, you know, I speak a lot at, at uh, business owner groups or executive groups, and I hear that all the time. Uh, and part of it is I think it's again, it's right back to the same issue as we've been taught that what's spiritual is what happens in church. So uh, at, at one point I've, I've said this, when I say spiritual, you think non-physical. When I say um, redemption, you think preaching the gospel. Uh, and when I say heaven, you think disembodied. So it's, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, and Randy Alcorn calls it Christoplatonism. You know, this separation, we call it sacred secular. Um, so one of the questions that I've, you know, I mentioned that one, what would happen if nobody did what you do? So imagine a world without furniture, for example, is how I would approach that and help him understand how the world flourishes. I'm sitting in a chair. You know, it's a good chair. It's well built um, and it provides comfort for my back. Um, but the other question I ask people is, have you considered the fact that nothing that you call ministry will be done in the new heaven and the new earth? Just think about that for a minute. There will be no trips to Africa to dig wells because sin will have been banished and the curse will have been banished. But we will be building furniture in the presence of God. God will sit in his furniture. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Wow. But I, you know, I think that's, that's, how I, that's how I typically have approached it with people. And usually you see the, the, the lightning of the face when they begin to think, wow, that's, God really cares about furniture. Hmm. Sometimes I like to t I remind people that God is creative. We all know that. Yes. And he made the furniture maker in his image, mm -hmm. which means the furniture maker is creative, which means when the furniture maker makes furniture, he or she reflects the creative nature of God. Right. Absolutely. Well, not only that, but Jesus built furniture. Right. Jesus spent more time on the earth in the workplace than he did preaching the gospel. And I'm, I'm guessing separate activities. Yeah. And I'm guessing if Jesus made furniture that was crooked, the drawers didn't work, the legs were not the same length, the finish got, you know, mangled and doesn't look good. Right. Nobody would be buying his furniture. No, that's true. I, you remember the movie Passion of the Christ? Yeah. There's a scene in the beginning of that where Jesus is coming up with a new concept for furniture, a tall table and tall chairs. Uh, and his mother looks at him and says, that'll never sell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so Jesus made mistakes. He made marketing mistakes. Uh -huh. He learned, you know, the, the book of Hebrews tells us he grew in wisdom and stature with God and men. And so mm -hmm. what is wisdom? Wisdom is uh, the ability to do what image bearers do and to do it well. Yeah. You know, when someone builds furniture well, that's biblical wisdom in practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, Amy Sherman, uh, your friend and mine, senior yeah. fellow at the Sagamore Institute, authored a book, Kingdom Calling, Vocational yeah. Stewardship for the Common Good. She made a pretty blunt assessment saying that discipleship, 
that doesn't equip people for the activity they spend 40% of their waking hours doing is not discipleship. Say more. Well, you know, don't want to be a broken record, but discipling people for church work uh, is we don't talk about their work. We don't talk about what they are uniquely gifted, called and positioned by God to do. Uh, we talk about if I were a pastor, I'd be talking to you about you doing what I'm called to do. Uh, it's a fascinating passage um, in um, uh, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2.10, after, after it talks about you saved by grace, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, etc. It says, for you are Christ's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, and then there's two Greek words, ergon, uh, um, kalois, good work. If you look up in a Greek dictionary, that word ergon, it'll tell you it, the main me meaning, the meaning that Paul would have pulled a dictionary off and read is what one normally does as a job. That's to me, you know, that's so profound, but that's reading the Bible in an image bearer. When I read that verse, I say, it's not about the good works that I do at church. It's about the good work that I do in the community. Mm, mm. That's that's very cool. Yeah, so she's you know she's basically saying they they're called to do build furniture, they're called to collect the trash, they're called to, to fix the coffee machines. Um, and if we don't talk to them about that, then we're 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 not talking to them about their calling, which means we're not discipling them to be what God wants them to be. Mm -hmm. So I think Amy's dead on with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's get very practical. Uh, okay. You you tell a story in your book of a convened CEO who uh, hired a guy with a Satan tattoo on his arm, and he, uh, he 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 thought long and hard about this whether he should yeah. or shouldn't. And what happened next? Yeah, so it was early on in his his role in convened, just beginning to understand that. God cares about the way he shepherds his people. And we, we talked a lot about those kinds of concepts. Uh, one of his good workers had brought this person as a, as a possible candidate. And he was chain smoking, uh, had a Satan tattoo on his arm and failed the drug test. Uh, and so it was at our window. And by the way, he subsequently sold his company. Um, but uh, uh, so in a one-to-one -one session, a coaching session, he says to me, so Tom, told me the story, failed the drug test, Satan tattoo, chain smoker. Uh, but I think God's telling me to hire him. And I'm saying, time out. You got to be kidding me. He said, well, you've been telling me that we need to shepherd these people and we need to, you know, nurture them in the workplace. And so, you know, he's, <laughs> all right, I just like, sure enough, you know, we prayed through it. He brought it to his group for discussion uh, you know, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to give advice on that one at that point. So we talked to the group and they were, they said, yeah, if that's what God's calling you to do, but then they built some curbs around it, you know, dr regular drug testing, um, you know, certain, um, three strikes policies, all that kind of stuff. So he put a structure to it. Anyway, fast forward about two or three years later, David came to the group, brought a letter, tears in his eyes. He said, uh, so he told the story, this young man had, had become converted, become a Christian, uh, straightened up his life, uh, found a um, Christian woman that he married and was moving on to uh, North Carolina for a much, uh, much improved 
uh, job and future. Uh, that's, you know, that's what we're called to do. Mm. You know, shepherd people in that sense. Now, we don't want to be irresponsible. At first, I thought maybe he was being irresponsible. He was very responsible, but he also was listening to the voice of God. Mm. Mm. Great. Yeah, great story. Wow. That's, I told that. I think that, that's in the book, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, and what's that quote uh, from Dorothy Sayers? The church has for so long, this is a loose quote, the church has for so long told people not to be drunk on Sundays. Uh, on weekdays. On weekdays, instead of saying, you know, make great tables. Make great tables. Make good tables. That's, that's, yeah, that's a great, if somebody Googles why work Dorothy Sayers, you can get that article and it's, it's yeah. worth the read. <laughs> well, I was uh, um thrilled that Convene uh, became kind of a living laboratory of Christian CEOs who learned together. And you uh, did some research based on some of those real members. What are some of the research and findings? Well, yeah, so the, the dissertation was what we call qualitative research on um, uh, a group of men, some of whom were Convene members. Uh, and in my case, it was all men because it was a men's group. Um, who came together and studied uh, in, a, in a very well-developed traditional discipleship model, but took out the uh, church-related content and we put in faith and work content. Uh, and what I, what, you know, a couple of things that we found was in the dissertation that we documented was all of these men, I think all of them were elders at their churches. So they were very mature. They weren't, you know, young bucks, uh, massive increase in their, their sense of spirituality, their sense of spiritual maturity. One of them actually said to me, uh, God has invaded all of my life. Right. Whereas he used to think of spiritual things as what happened to church. Now he's recognizing the spiritual things. Uh, and, you know, I could tell you a dozen stories. Uh, I've got a couple of community members who took over businesses from their dad. One had been a pastor. His dad took ill. Uh, he called me up, said, um, you know, I've been running this company for years now. He couldn't get over the guilt that he'd left the ministry. Right. Uh, and so being able to, to walk him through that, no, this is exactly what God made you for. Um, another, another man, $50 million HVAC company, um, when he came in to convene, very discouraged, uh, just no sense of, of purpose or spiritual direction. You know, why am I here? I make a lot of money, but what good is it? And if you were to, to see this fellow today, he's like glowing. Uh, understanding that that uh, I, I was laughing at him. I said, you know, when you get to heaven, we will still be changing filters and HVAC belts because if we want to be cool in heaven, we're it's going to be here. Uh, the the systems have to be maintained. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, aren't you glad that uh, certain jobs, certain inventions uh, have happened? Right? I'm. Oh yeah. I'm pretty glad that somebody invented x-rays because they could sure. look inside my knee last week to figure out why it hurt. And, uh, but yet the x-ray technician might not have felt like if they were a Christian that they were doing anything to glorify God, they might felt like, right. 
when I serve on the finance committee tonight or the building committee or the whatever committee at church, then God will like me better than when I x-rayed Greg's knee. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely right. And that's that is a very common. I'll take you back to the quote you, you pointed out in the in the, the until every Sunday from every pulpit, every sermon is illustrated from and applied to the workplace. The work's not done. What what that has motivated me to do is we have got to train the disciplers. And that's the reason for the book uh, is train the disciplers how to disciple people as image bearers, like we talked about, not just as church members. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, then that person will, will walk into that work and realize that God cares. Mm -hmm. You know, she's doing the work that God wants done because as a result of it, in mosaic, the world is, is flourishing or yeah. more flourishing. I remember sitting one day, um, it was at Keats Island in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Canada. I could take you to the exact steps I was sitting on. And it was a business leader who was involved in church pastoring type roles in a new way. And then he went back to business, like you just alluded to with one of your friends. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, very emotional on the steps one Sunday morning saying that uh, we build houses and we work on Sunday because of whatever reason, but I'm so distraught because I'm not inviting these people to go to church on Sunday. We're building a house. Mm -hmm. And I was able to share with him that most likely the people who were his subcontractors and employees would never go to church. And he was the church on Sunday, well, they were hitting two by fours with nails. Precisely. Right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, think about what you, Jesus parable about the, the builder who builds on the sand or on the rock. Jesus, that's what he did for 18. He was a tecton, mm -hmm. uh, a, an architect, a builder uh, is what he did. And that's thus all the relationships that he had with all the other people in the community. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a Talbot professor whose name I'm forgetting right now, Talbot Seminary at Biola University, said that tecton, uh, we always mostly translate as carpenter, and it can best be uh, translated as a general contractor type person. Yeah, that would be a, our common, our, our modern version of that would be. A, right. Yeah. So we're going to have to we're going to have to retitle Josh McDowell's book and call it instead of more than a carpenter, we're going to call more it than a general contractor. Exactly. <laughs> Good point. Well, um, what would you say to somebody uh, who is listening and they say, this is fascinating. I'm a learner. Uh, I'd love to grab a copy of your book. Uh, yeah. What should I do? Well, of course, it's uh, it's available it'll be available everywhere that you buy your books uh, Tyndale's a very large publisher uh, they've got distribution so um, Christian bookstores will have it you can certainly get it on Amazon it, you can get it any bookstore you want to walk into uh, will have a distribution arm from Tyndale so wherever you buy books you'll, you'll be able to, to pick it up all right and the title again for those you're listening and are interested equipping Christians for kingdom purpose in their work uh, by Tom Lutz. And I didn't mention the name of your co-author. So why don't you tell us about her? Yeah, she is marvelous. Heidi Unruh. Uh, uh, Heidi, um, I'm, I'm more of a verbal communicator. 
I, you know, I, I don't like the, the discipline of putting all the words down. Uh, Heidi is a brilliant writer. Uh, and she has just been able, and, you know, as we've huge contributions from her own life experience uh, in there. So, yeah, it's Heidi Unruh. She's written um, her other recent book is called, she's going to get mad at me because I don't remember. Um, it's, a, it's about social connection. and It's also quite good. Sweet. Well, um, I think, I think that the world needs to hear this story. I think, um, you know, this movement of faith work that began, whatever you want to call it, back in the 80s or something, uh, right. the, the book, Your Work Matters to God, is the first time. That was a seminal book, absolutely. First time I ever heard that my work mattered to God. And I used to, uh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> It's in my, it's in my uh, section of my library with the theology workbooks. Yeah. I used to fly out Sunday night to work uh, for service master at a, at a facility. And I would leave the church service while the elders were laying hands on the missionaries who were going to work in some foreign country. And I remember walking out the back door to catch the late night flight thinking, maybe someday I'll be in ministry too. How wrong is that? So if you're tired of thinking that your work doesn't matter to God, run, don't walk to buy this book by Tom Lutz, equipping Christians for kingdom purpose in their work. And Tom, I am super proud and super blessed that you're a convened chair as well as the many things you do. It's been a great journey to, to get to know you. Yeah, and I'd just add to that. Uh, if, if it's a Christian business owner or an executive that wants to learn this, well, go join a convene group. There you go. And we'll put it in the lower thirds, the convene website, convenenow.com. And we'd love to have you spend uh, really the next many years in a convene group learning uh, as a group of peers about these things we're talking about and applying them to the workplace. So Tom Lutz, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Greg.